Hello, my friends. I wish you well. I hope that uh, all is well with you. I'm going to read, continue reading <clears throat> Precious Vessels of the Holy Spirit. Precious Vessels of the Holy Spirit. For our spiritual nourishment. For our drawing closer to the elders. Wait, oh, hold on. I'm, I'm doing my podcast. <laughs> it's okay, it's no big deal. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Okay. That's my sister. <laughs> that was my sister. No big deal because this is for friends, you know? So I'm going to get to the part where we left off. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see if I can find the place where I left off. <clears throat> we left off at Elder Epiphanios. I know that we, we finished Elder Amphilochios and that was in chapter four. And we finished Elder Epiphanios. finished Elder Epiphanios. Let's see. The Elder was a spiritual father and God to host to a host of spiritual strugglers, many of whom were women monastics. <clears throat> Elder Epiphanios, chapter 5. And I was still in the middle of Elder Epiphanios's council. Whoever fears God, God does not... Whoever fears God doesn't fear anything else. Yeah. That's a good word from an elder. Elder Epiphanios. When people treat us unjustly, God justifies us. God allows virtuous people to suffer. We read that. Don't sit glued to the television. Guard yourselves from the means of mass blinding. <clears throat> the priesthood is a very great gift of God toward mankind. It is the conduit of the grace of God. Okay.
Among clergy in Greece, only bishops wear a mitre while serving in church. I guess that's the hat. I'm not sure what a mitre is. <laughs> Let's see. Instead of guessing, let me just look it up. Uh, oh, a hat. Yes, it is a hat. It is a hat. It is the hat. <coughs> Elder Epiphanios in his study. Elder Yakovos. I think chapter 6, Elder Yakovos. That's where we were. Elder Yakovos of Evia. His life. Blessed Elder Yakovos Salikis of Evia was born on November 5th, 1920 in Livisi, Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey, into a, into a family that included seven generations of priest monks, a bishop and a saint. He was baptized soon afterwards with the name of his paternal grandfather, Yakovos Salikis. His pious parents, Stavros and Theodora, suffered greatly under the Turks and in the early 1920s were forced to flee the land of their forefathers, along with the rest of the inhabitants of Lavisi. Livisi. <clears throat> At the time, Stavros Salikis had been taken captive by the Turks along with many other Greeks and forced to work on a building site in Trebizond. He did not learn until later that the Greeks of Livisi had been forced to flee. Eventually, however, by the grace of God, the family was reunited on the island of Evia, where the refugees from Levisi had, had been sent. The elder recalled this traumatic time later on in life. Despite my young age, I remember when we arrived in the port of Piraeus, that we heard for the first time someone blaspheming divine things. My grandmother then said, how is it that we've come here? It would be better for us to go back and let the Turks kill us than to hear such things. In Asia Minor, we had never encountered such a sin. The elder looked back on his upbringing with a great sense of gratitude to his parents and especially to his mother, who, he explained, 
had a monastic soul. She was very careful regarding modesty, and he recalled that the family's life together was a humble, blessed, holy, ascetic life. The children had a great love and respect for their elders, and before they went to partake of Holy Communion, having prepared through strict fasting, they would kiss the hands of their parents and of the elderly of the community. From an early age, little Yaakovos sensed the closeness of God, and thus, even before he understood exactly what they were saying, he distanced himself from the rough children who would use foul language and act poorly. His first home in Greece was in a storehouse. Their house was divided from the others by blankets. There he lived with his mother and grandmother. His favorite toy was a little censer he fashioned out of a curved roof tile. He would go around the house sensing his family and lifting a blanket, would sense his neighbors saying, Haluja, Haluja. Every evening he would visit his favorite place, a little chapel with his grandmother, so as to light the vigil lamps. There she would teach him the lives of the saints and speak about the priest monks in their family. By the age of six, little Yakovos had managed to learn the divine liturgy by heart, including everything said or chanted by the priest and chanters on Sundays. His pious mind was like a sponge, and so he easily learned things relating to the church, her faith, piety, and worship. His piety and character were such that from an early age his contemporaries gave him the nicknames Grandpa, Monk, and Father Yakovos. The first schoolhouse in the town of Farakla on Evia was housed in the small chapel of St. Paraskevi. <laughs> Yakovos loved going there. He would study there by day and go in the evening as well, so as to light the vigil lamps and to pray. One evening, when he was about eight or nine years old, St. Paraskevi appeared to him as she was depicted in her icon. Frightened, little Yakovos ran home. This happened to him again a few days later, but this time the saint managed to calm him down. From that time on, she appeared to him frequently. They would sit together in the chapel and converse when Yakovos learned 
to read, he began to spend great amounts of time studying the church's liturgical books. By the age of nine, he was already regarded by everyone in the village as one set apart for the service of God. He lived ascetically, rising in the middle of the night to pray and keep vigil. During the day, he would recite supplicatory canons and hymns under his breath. He had a beautiful voice and chanted very well. While serving in church, Yakovos was very careful and trembled at the visions he had of the angels serving at the altar. At the same time, he sensed a blessed spiritual sweetness that comforted him. From this young age, he was the one entrusted with the keys of the church, as the village didn't have its own priest, but only one who came every other week from a neighboring village. The villagers sensed the closeness the boy had with Christ and his saints, and so, when they had problems, they would come to him for help. He was called on to anoint with oil and to read prayers over the sick. Women having difficulty in childbirth, the possessed, and for others in need. Yakovos was unable to continue his studies beyond elementary school, for his poor family increasingly needed his help. One night in the early 1940s, St. Baraskevi appeared to him again, as she had been doing more frequently during that period, and warned him that the war would soon come to Greece. The plight of the impoverished refugees worsened even more with the German and Italian occupation. Starvation became a widespread phenomenon. Yakovos, now in his early 20s, always sought ways to increase his asceticism, and during this period he began a fasting regime that he would undertake many times in his life. From Sunday afternoon until Saturday, he would eat nothing. On Saturday, he would receive Holy Communion and later on eat a bit of bread and some olives. The only day he would eat normally was Sunday. A number of times, however, due to the difficult circumstances of the period, he would not even get to eat over the weekend. One week, for example, a number of starving children appeared, and another time some weakened and disabled elderly, and he gave them whatever he had. He suffered a great deal and often fainted from hunger. Remarkably, however, he was able to continue working. During this period, Yakovos suffered a number of great temptations. Because of his poverty, he was unable to afford shoes. And when he went to chant in church, and when he went to chant in church, some of the parishioners would make rude and critical comments. Upset by this, Yakovos was ready to give up chanting. One night, however, St. George, the patron of the church, he was then attending, appeared to him and told him, My child, I don't want you to leave. I want you to chant in my house just as you, you are. 
Soon afterwards, his mother, Theodora, became deathly ill. Though only 40 years old, due to her many hardships, she appeared to be 70 or 80. Four days before her death, she informed her family when she would die. Her guardian angel, she explained. Her guardian angel, she explained, had prepared her beforehand. Everything took place as she foretold. Yakovos' father died a number of years later. Before Yakovos could fulfill his childhood desire to enter a monastery, he had to fulfill his obligation to the Greek government and serve a term in the army. In 1947, he was enlisted and served his time in Piraeus near Athens. As in his village, the other soldiers didn't understand Yakovos and initially made fun of him. In time, however, most of them grew to respect him and would turn to him in times of need. Later on in life, some of his army companions would visit him at the monastery. Commenting on this, the elder would say, The virtuous life always teaches and bears fruit, even if it takes years. While if I had followed them in their activities, what good could come of it? When the unit commander, Lieutenant Major Polycarp Zoes, heard about Yakovos, he summoned him to his office. Having tested his piety, he was impressed by his firmness of vision and faith and took him as his personal assist assistant. As it turned out, Zoe's and his family were pious people and appreciated Yakovos very much. They eventually wanted to adopt him as they had no children of their own. But Yakovos, holding on to the hope of eventually entering a monastery, had to refuse. On his discharge, from the army, he began to work feverishly at whatever jobs he could find. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so as to provide a dowry for his sister Anastasia, a responsibility that had fallen to him after his father's death. Yakovos also spent a good deal of time fixing up the chapels and shrines around his village that had fallen into disrepair since he had left for the army. After a few years, Anastasia married, and Yakovos was free to pursue his monastic vocation. The stories his grandmother had told him of his monastic ancestors who had lived in the Holy Lands had remained vivid and alive in his mind, and Yakovos planned to go there to become a monk. However, before leaving for the Holy Lands, I considered it necessary to go to the monastery of St. David to ask for his blessing, help, and intercessions. Later on in life, the elder recalled the significance of this visit. As I approached the monastery, <coughs> excuse me, sorry.
As I approached the monastery, I suddenly saw the, the place transformed. Different than I knew it when we would visit with our fellow villagers for the feast of St. David. I saw the monastery magnificent, incredibly beautiful, of a different era. Outside the monastery, a venerable elder with a white beard was waiting for me. It was the St. David of Avia. I greeted him. Elder, what a beautiful place this is. How did this all come to be? I've never seen anything like it. It's the Republic of Ascetics. Each one has his own little house. Elder, could you give me such a house as well? I'd like it very much. My child, if you stay here, we will give you one. But you came to venerate and to leave. Elder, I'll stay. As soon as I gave my promise, it seemed as though the wall of the monastery opened and the elder went through it, and then it closed again. Immediately together with the saint, everything was lost. There, where the Republic of Ascetics was, I saw the area as it was, a wild forest. I saw the monastery as it was, a ruin. Though I had gone to the monastery as a simple pilgrim, after all that, I bowed my head and gave my word to the saint that I would serve him with all my heart. Jacobo soon found that shepherds with their families had taken up their abode there. Three monks lived there as well, but but idiorhythmically, Jacobo's presence was not welcome and the monks, as well as the shepherds and their families, tried to run him off and eventually even attempted to murder him. Jacobos was distraught, but at the same time sensed that it was God's will for him to remain there. And so he endured their persecution patiently. St. David would appear to him giving him confidence that he was in the right place. The young abbot, Nicodemus, had initially been unable to rectify the idiorhythmic situation of the monastery as he was forced to be absent most of, most of the time, serving as a parish priest. With the presence of Jacobos, however, he was able to force the shepherds to leave. For now, the monastery had daily services. Abbot Nicodemus had Jacobos tonsured quickly, realizing his gifts and the certainty of his calling. The tonsure took place on November 30th, 1952. He was then made steward of the monastery and trusted with the keys, the monastery books, and everything, in fact, which belonged to the monastery. Soon after, as the monastery's need for a priest became increasingly evident, the unlettered but wise and good-hearted 
Abbot Nicodemus sent Iacobos to Metropolitan Gregory. The Bishop of Chalcis to be ordained. On December 18, 1952, Jakobos was ordained to the diaconate. This was followed a day later by his elevation to the priesthood. On, fath on Father Jakobos's return to the monastery, he began to serve the liturgy nearly every day along with all the other services. By the Metropolitan's orders, on Sundays he would serve the liturgy in various small villages. However, the persecution by the monks and the people they gathered did not abate. Despite Father Yakovos's position as steward and priest, he remained in the most inhospitable of the monastery's cells. It was full of such large cracks that one winter's night, he awoke from his traditionally short sleep to find his back covered in snow. The condition of his clothing changed little after becoming a monk, and although he had finally procured a pair of boots, he had to resole them. He had to resole them himself using the rubber from discarded car tires. <laughs> I guess my tongue is getting tired. The condition of his clothing changed little after becoming a monk, and although he had finally procured a pair of boots, he had to resole them himself using the rubber from discarded car tires. That reminds me of uh, I. <laughs> I once saw this show about this guy who lived in the woods as a wild man, and he walked over to a, a shoemaker in the middle of the woods, like miles and miles away. And he was trekking through the woods, and he he found the guy. He knew where he lived. The guy lived. The, the other guy lived in the woods. The shoemaker lived in the woods, and he he made shoes out of uh, leather straps. He he had leather strap, and he had rubber tires, and he made he made the the wild man uh, uh, a uh, a pair of sandals with leather straps and and uh and uh rubber and rubber tires he cut he cut the soles it was just a sole a rubber tire sole and leather straps to tie around the guy's ankles and through you know to tie the the rubber the piece of rubber onto the person's bottom of the foot you know and that's what he used he just used uh, uh you know rubber tire sandals <laughs> and it, it, they look pretty good actually but uh he said that that he would be able to go into town with those because he he didn't really wear shoes most of the time and he said he could he could trek through the through the woods with them but he could also walk on the pavement uh on the road he had to walk along the road he had to find a, a road to walk along to be able to get into town because he had to get some things in, in town. But he lived in the wild. And so similarly, Father Yakovos decided to live in the wild with the elders. And this is a very interesting story, but my mouth is getting tired, my tongue is getting tired, so I bid you farewell. And 
I will pick up with Father Yakovos's uh, story, his life story, on the next episode. And uh, the next time I, I read for you guys, thank you, my friends. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you listening. God bless you. And I feel that uh, we're learning about the saints and we're learning about the elders. And it's really um, doing its job. It's doing its, its spiritual work. This is spiritual nourishment that is working within us. And I'm, I thank you so much for suggesting this book, recommending this book. And... Um, I love you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the name of, uh, by the Holy Theotokos, may you be blessed. God bless you. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much.